This month, the Pub Test Podcast is partnering with The Man Shake, a healthy meal replacement in a shake for men to lose the gut without losing the beers. Check them out at themanshake.com.au. Welcome back to another session with The Pub Test. Today, we are knocking the head off mental health, Instagram removing our likes, and the stigma of men needing to be men. Tested the bar today, Benny, Jared, Ash, and a very special guest, Joel Curtis, who's the owner and principal psychologist of Endeavor Wellness. He'll be sharing with us today some insights around mental health, specifically towards men. He's a psychologist and a sports psychologist, and we can't wait to have a chat with him. Good afternoon, everybody. We have with us today a very special guest, Joel Curtis. How are you? Good, thanks, Ash. How's yourself, mate? Mate, we are very well up on the sunny Gold Coast. How is Sydney? It's actually a really great afternoon this afternoon. It's uh, one of those glorious winter days, which is... uh, Getting more and more common in Sydney town these days. It's not. <laughs> the, uh, not as nice as we should both are, but uh, not bad. We, we try our best. Look, after um, all the doom and gloom of not winning an origin for so many years, you guys must be on High Street uh, having won two in a row. So well done. Oh, I tell you what, myself and my son were very chuffed about that. I'm sure most people were. <laughs> and it's uh, it's been a long time coming. I thought Paul, Paul, we're obviously chatting about mental health today, but I thought I thought old Mitchell Pierce. Uh, Got a bit of a hard run. He finally won one, and the uh, New South Wales media are still getting stuck into him about you know having lost so many in a row. I was like, "You poor bloke, give him a give him a rest." <laughs> you, can't, you can't take a trick. One thing Queensland do very well is look after their own. And um, as a psychologist and as a sports psychologist, I'm very envious of uh, the setup that Queensland have put together. It's uh, extremely impressive. Yes, mate, we've uh, we've had a good run. So hopefully we'll uh, we'll have another go in 2020 and. We can't let you win three on the trot, uh, so we'll have to make make it even keel again. Queensland is a very fickle as well, mate. <laughs> New South Wales seem to get stronger the more series you lost. Uh, Queensland is we're, we're not quite that uh, ready to lose, so we'll I think we lose three in a row, and they'll talk about Origin being dead once again. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we're, uh, no, that's right, mate. I actually I thought of you the other day. I'll, I'll have to tell you a story, but. I uh, picked up my young bloke from school. He's only six, and he'd uh, they do a thing at school where they have Star of the Week, and so he all his little friends brought in gifts for him and lollies and bits and pieces. And uh, oh, he, wow. he was in the back of my car, and we were driving home, and he was eating Skittles, and I could see him in the revision mirror just turfing handfuls of Skittles down his gullet. And um, I sort of looked at him at one minute, and he was looking really, really sort of glassy-eyed, and I turned around and said, are you Okay. And he's six, and so it's not unusual for him not to answer and be silly. Um, uh, And he didn't answer. He looked at me, and I said, mate, are you okay? And he kept looking at me, and then I got more urgent, said, are you okay? And he shook his head in a panic, and then I heard him sort of make that gargling, choking sound. So I was at a red light. I put my hazard lights on, jumped out of my ute, and run around to the the passenger door out the back, and I'm about to rip my six-year-old out of the car and turn him upside down and smack him on the back to make him cough the skittle out. And uh, then he coughed it all over me, and it's all over the back seat of the car, and it was all it was all horrible. But in the moment, my stress level and my, my anxiety went through the roof. And I was telling um, Jared and Benny, this guy behind me starts honking his horn, and so I'm in a I'm in a absolute frenzy because I think my six year old's about to suffocate in the back of the car, and he honks his horn. And so I turn around and I sort of put my hands in the air and go, "Well, what's your problem?" And he honks again, and then honks a third time. So I made sure my son was fine, but the the I don't, I don't know whether rage is the right word, but the absolute just f- anger and frustration that came over me, I ended up in his passenger window having a verbal argument with this guy and it took every 
part of me to just turn around and not have more of a go at him. And it reminded me, my sister-in-law said to me one day, my wife and I were having a, uh, a, a sort of one of those level, lover's arguments at about 19 years old. And um, she, she was studying psychology and she made a comment that particularly men under stress and when they're angry, they have the decision-making capability of someone who's either, you know, mentally impaired or as a child. Is that about yeah. right for guys? Hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. The old red rag to a bull. Us blokes are notoriously uh, not so great at uh, decisions under duress. Is, this whole uh, multitasking thing is not us. <laughs> is it a chemical thing that happens? Like, is it adrenaline? Like, do we not process it well, or is it more more deeper than that, and we just don't process our emotions all that well? Look, I'm a bit of a, an evolutionist in that sense. I think it's more about biology i think it's more about evolution you know as blokes where hunters and gatherers traditionally i mean not for a long bloody time but you know what i mean in the past in the deep deep dark past we were and so it was just stay focused on one task get angry it's kill or be killed so that's still sort of biological evolutionary sort of element towards us as blokes is still prominent particularly on the duress that comes out so well it's I'm a bit of that fright or flight that. isn't it that 100 absolutely yeah we, we, we actually spoke about toxic masculinity last week and, and unpacked a little bit about what, what that means. And, 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 we, we, and it was three blokes around a table, in all honesty, Joel, but we, uh, we, did, we did get... We, yeah, we didn't let any ladies give any feedback. But uh, we... Um, <laughs> we, we, <laughs> but we did we we, we got to the uh, to the conclusion that maybe it is just biology we were talking about oh, how boys want to wrestle Benny's got two young boys and and they want to get stuck in yeah that's right uh, yeah yeah let them go for it Benny we didn't read them but let them go <laughs> yeah. for it mate. they know them. they know they're not allowed to jump on mum that's but, that's uh, about uh, it yeah. that's the, that's yeah, the only yeah, rule yeah. everything else is free game there's got to be some rules. You can't have complete chaos. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we've been doing Dry July and we've all coped fairly well. Oh. We're, we're sort of over three weeks in now. Mm, yeah. um, oh, and well and uh, we're, we're all not hankering too badly. We, we would like something to drink. But um, <laughs> in the first uh, week of Dry July, we did talk about uh, a bit of that alcohol culture. And one of the things that, yeah. that I've seen play out, even in my own family, is that self-medication uh, particularly with guys and Jared made a good comment to me during the week that it's not so much just the um, you know the guys might, might be feeling a bit depressed or something and they get yeah. on a drink to drown it out it goes the other way yep. as well so people might drink and then get sad is yep. is that something that is becoming more and more prevalent like what do you see with with the alcohol abuse and drug abuse for that matter yeah look I mean obviously with alcohol and drugs there is a fine line and and certainly in terms of alcohol, you know, it, it does serve a, um, a purpose in, in Australian culture and particularly amongst boys. So use the right way, absolutely, can be that sort of bonding thing, but use the wrong way and absolutely can take something that can potentially be nice into something that's catastrophic. It happens a lot. It's very prevalent in, in society. And with blokes, what I'm finding is that it goes twofold. If you are feeling sad, obviously it's a, it's a way of masking that sadness, particularly so if you're trying to be up and about, but that's not how you feel. Alcohol will just reveal what's already deep inside there. Once those filters are gone, whatever's in there, it comes pouring out. Yeah, right. So it is, It is. you're seeing, it's much more of that uncovering. So rather than people, what is it, the inhibition's lower and they suddenly say the thing without the filter. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Well, if you're, if you're holding back sadness, you know, and trying to be up and about around your mates, as soon as that filter's gone, 
if you're sad, that's just going to leak out everywhere. So realistically, what I talk to a lot of blokes about and a lot of my clients about is if you've got some things on your mind, do not drink, do not take drugs. Dry July is perfect. You know what I mean? Obviously, you, you can't wait for July, but just in your own moments, any of those opportunities where you can just sit still and acknowledge and accept your feelings, that's way better for you than trying to go too big, too hard, and it all coming to a, uh, you know, a screaming halt. That's an interesting thought because we were actually talking last week about um, how different people react differently to alcohol, as in like you have the the people at the party, they're drinking, and you have the crier, you have the happy person, you have the, the punch talker, drunk one the, wants to fight everybody. Yeah, the fighter. Um, you know, that comes from obviously what you're saying, where people are, uh, the way they're feeling, that just comes out when they start drinking. Yeah, absolutely. So, and sometimes it catches people off guard. They may not fully be, and as blokes, not fully aware that they do have some anger floating around or they do have some sadness floating around. As guys, we're not naturally attuned to how we're feeling. So sometimes it can catch you off guard, but more often than not, people know and they just want to try and mask it, but it can go too far and it just unravels quickly. So I suggest to everyone, if you've got some stuff happening, do not drink, do not take drugs, just you're better off sitting still and feeling your feelings and putting yourself in an even more vulnerable position because that's what drugs and alcohol do to you. Well, why do you think that is with guys? So so we've said that a few times and all of us uh, have tended to agree. As far as just... Mm processing emotion and being do you think that is because we were talking about whether or not hollywood's played a part in painting a picture that guys aren't allowed to be vulnerable and feel feelings do you think it's it, it is that nature nurture thing and it's just what we've been taught or where, where does it stem oh, from oh no it's, a, it's absolutely nature nurture it is what we've been taught it's what we understand i mean you talk about um you know gender specific roles and those sort of things those blokes they're supposed to be bulletproof you're supposed to be strong and tough and have it all together and when you don't have that comfortability within yourself when you're not feeling bulletproof it can cause all sorts of vulnerabilities all sorts of insecurities it can create havoc with us as people so unfortunately very very common that as blokes if we don't have it together we are useless in that sense we do not have an ability naturally to be able to handle ourselves it is tough there, and I think you you hit the nail on the head, Joel. It is a balance because you you need to. There's a part of us. We we had this discussion last week, and I definitely believe uh, within blokes that you you want to be that protector, that hunter gatherer. You want to pr- look after your family and do all those sorts of things. But then there is that yep. balance of how do you be vulnerable and, and show those things when maybe someone someone said to me one day that it's really hard for guys because women want Tarzan, but they treat us like Jane, and. Um, it actually made a lot of sense. Like, go, oh, you know, be sensitive and be this, that, and the other. But then at the other side, often we're wanting to be this, right, be this big he-man who can go and do anything. It's pretty tough exactly for right. us. <laughs> uh, oh, it is. And look, and to be honest, we haven't had our sexual revolution as blokes, have we? You know what I mean? Like, obviously, for <laughs> women, they work hard to have that revolution where you can have a career and you can be a mum and you can be tough and strong and do all those things. But as blokes, we haven't sort of had that revolution where it's okay to be not okay. You're right. It's, it's, it's important. It's really important. But as blokes, we're not taught that. I mean, my dad didn't teach me how to be, you know, sensitive to my feelings. And certainly none of my mates sit around talking about our feelings. We talk about, you know, I'm a big shark supporter. So we talk about how bad the sharks are going at the moment or how bad our golf game is or how bad our work is. We don't talk about, you know, how we're feeling weak or we're feeling sad or this is not fair or that's not fair. Because as blokes, if we can't fix it, we do not want to know about it. It's so interesting that even knowing 
everything that you know and being highly educated in this space and dealing with clients all the time, it doesn't come easy even for somebody like you, does it? No, not at all. No, no. If you saw me at uh, Sharks games or you saw me elsewhere, you'd be saying, uh, I'm not sure that bloke's the guy I want to talk to. <laughs> I think authenticity and being real is uh, is much more easy to talk to than someone who's trying to, to pitch it that it's all together. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly right. And, and it's funny because I've been talking to a few clients more recently about the, the source of happiness. And for me personally, what I've discovered through my own life and my own experiences and my studies is the key to happiness isn't about the things in your life. It's about the ability to be able to regulate yourself. And part of that regulation is being honest about your feelings. If you can feel a little bit more honest, that gives you that real sense of controlled vulnerability. And that really is going to play in well to your happiness because you feel like, well, even if I don't have it together, I can still be honest about that. And that certainly doesn't make me less of a man or less of a person or less of anything. And yeah, absolutely. If you get that right, you're on track, I reckon, as a bloke. Joel, we we've been talking a little bit uh, on the pub um, on the pub test podcast about um, uh, Instagram and Instagram's you know sort of influence on culture, um, and I'm not sure if you are aware of what's going on at the moment, but Instagram's actually removed the the likes. On, on, a, on, on your posts. Um, I just, yep. you know, like th- th- there's so many people out there posting things like their, 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 their industry's ruined, you know, the, all these influences <laughs> are going up in uproar because they don't have all these yep. likes. And, you know, I, I'd, yep. I'd love, to, I'd love uh, from, a, from a psychological perspective to speak into that. Like what, we, we are so driven on that, um, I guess, uh, innate part of us that wants that um, acceptance from people. We post some beautiful picture of a highlight reel and we want those likes on a picture. Um, you know, do, do you think that um, Instagram removing this feature uh, on Instagram, do you think that's done us good? I think psychologically it's done us good. I don't know as a business model it serves you very well. But, uh, <laughs> that's a separate issue. I think psychologically yeah, that's great for people to be able to um, have that opportunity to just post some things and think a bit more deeply about what they're trying to do because you get that instant feedback and that instant fix as you've identified. We're all a bit narcissistic. We may not admit it, but, you know, we're all a little bit narcissistic. You put up a good photo of yourself and you go, oh, come on, sure that's better than five likes. You put up some video of you, or I'll flip it off something, you go, come on, I only get five likes for that. Come on. So we all, we all crave it. Yeah, so I think psychologically it's great, but, yeah. They've all, I think they've done a lot of research and shown that it's it's like an addiction. So the, there's a there's a chemical thing that happens when you when you somebody likes it and it does trigger that Absolutely. almost like what is it he, taking drugs or, or having alcohol whatever it is it does ping you yeah. off a little bit to uh to get that yeah. acceptance. Yeah, well to increase the serotonin levels, it's like eating chocolate or you know doing those sort of fun things. You know what I mean? Like it instantly increases those serotonin levels. You get a few likes and you can. A bad day turns into a great day, but as you say, it's become highly addictive, you know, particularly for people that take it to the extremes where it's all about body image and, you know, half-naked photos and those yeah. sort of things. It, it can become quite, yeah, it goes into a, it can come create a lot of anxiety. I work a lot with um, health and fitness people in my sports psychology role and it's okay. surprised the amount of anxiety it causes in that health and fitness space where people are putting up photos of biceps or abs or those sort of things and it's becomes a monster of its own. And I can imagine for those, if you, if that's the field that you're in and you're, I've, a friend of mine's a personal trainer and he used to say all the time, his, his body is his business. And we're talking yep. f- 15 yep. years ago. If you're in today's society and you're a PT and your body's yep. your business, you're on Instagram. Yep. And if people aren't, you feel like your business is failing and the comparison yep. starts. 
I, I read an yep. interesting thing saying comparison a couple of hundred years ago was the people in your village. So you'd be yep. you'd be looking at your farm going, oh, geez, their corn's growing faster than my corn and, and it's all relative. Nowadays, you're yep. on Instagram. Jared's laughing at my <laughs> corn analogy. Now, nowadays, you're on Instagram and it's, oh, it, Jared mentioned it, it's the highlight reel. So you're comparing your life against this fake profile that looks incredible and everyone's kids are beautifully behaved and their holiday's nicer yep. than yours and their wife is better looking than yours. And, you, you know, it's a, this big old thing that is not real. But we sit ourselves in this place and compare. Yep, exactly right. And it's interesting because I've been uh, taking care of my health a little bit more, so spending a bit more time in the gym. And there's a few lifestyle fitness bloggers or Instagrammers in that room. And what you see them doing in their workouts versus what they put up and make out in their life, you would not believe the disparity between those two things. It's not how it's cracked up to be on social media, but if that's all you're seeing and you're not seeing it in reality, you're absolutely right in the comparisons and the angst that that can cause is a, is a killer for people. That's interesting, obviously. How is that with guys? Because, you, I mean, I guess as a stigma, you kind of look and go things like body image and bottle dis- body dysmorphia and eating disorders is, is I'm going to get myself in trouble, but quote-unquote, you would think it's maybe something more in a female world. Yeah, but uh, right. that's not that true, is it? No, oh, absolutely not. I'm dealing with a, a lot of guys that... Uh, particularly in that bodybuilding world, you know what I mean? Like their biceps aren't as big as other people or, you know, they compare it to professional bodybuilders and they're like, oh, I don't look like that. And you're like, boy, it's just <laughs> go easy, you know what I mean? I want to be like The Rock. Well, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into that. I'm not sure everyone has the time or the uh, willingness to go to all those extremes. So you've Absolutely. got to be... Yeah, and it's all it's all relative, right? Like you know, we're we're all doing the uh, we're all super fit. Uh, the three, yeah, all of us right. on the pub test, we're uh, yeah. we're in great nick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're we're talking, but we're talking before we recorded about dropping a few kilos and shirts fitting better and jeans doing up easier. Whereas these guys, we'd look at and go, "Oh my goodness, they're in phenomenal shape," and they're still feeling insecure about the size of their arms. Exactly right. It's crazy in that sense in terms of what insecurities can trigger, and the problem is. People go into that space already feeling anxious and they're trying to prop themselves up by the way they look. And unfortunately, what happens if you go into that feeling insecure, you're just going to feel more insecure. Because someone's got bigger biceps or someone's got a better six-pack or a darker tan or a more <laughs> followers or more likes, you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, or hair. It's, it's a tough place. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yep. So uh, you're right. But that's, that's because society promotes it. You know what I mean? Social media promotes that sort of thing to, to compare and to want to compete. And well, it's hard to get out that headspace. Well, we've had uh, up, up on the Gold Coast, we have that really successful NRL franchise, the Titans. And um, <laughs> they yeah, make you feel better about the Sharks. Yes. <laughs> it could be worse. At least the Sharks are cashed up. Um, Correct. Well, yeah. <laughs> the, we, we've got a young halfback up here, Ash Taylor, um, who yeah. is touted as this prodigy. He's on, a, I think, a million bucks a year, and he's just taken time off. Yeah away from the game due to the pressure that's on him about, uh, and and I've read a couple of articles recently about this constant conversation about him not reaching his potential. Uh, And it's, it's, it's an invisible ceiling because what's, what's his potential. So we've all at 19, they threw money at him. uh, And as you talked about, these people who are highly successful and there would be guys that would die to even just get into an NRL squad. He's, he's in one paid really well, but still, it, the grass is never greener, right? It's still really hard. No, that's right. Exactly right, yeah. And and a lot of that's driven by results, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, the Titans need to win, the Sharks need to win, the 
the storm of winning, do you know what I mean? Like, it's unfortunate as a society, particularly as athletes, you live and die by your results. And yes. so that creates pressure in itself. I mean, it's a very rare industry. I mean, I don't know about you, blokes, but for myself personally, no one's watching me as I'm doing my work. So I'm not getting Instagram <laughs> going, oh, you have the first day in the office today, you're a piece of crap. I'm like, you know, move along the footy field, everyone sees it. If you don't win, you're a piece of crap. So yeah. it's hard, isn't it? Because how do you win without focusing on winning? How do you reach your potential without focusing on reaching your potential? And I'm not sure as a good society we've sort of squared that away yet. I think you, you, you've, you've hit on a really uh, vital thing there that none of us are under that pressure. And these guys uh, and girls, excuse me, in professional sport, they are so young. And by the time you're 30, 30, if you play till 35 in any professional sport, you have really got the most out of your body. Yeah, that's right. A lot of these guys are 21 years old, 22 years old, and they've got tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people watching them. The pressure would be yeah, immense. Um, oh, absolutely. And I don't know, again, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not sure anyone would want to pay me that sort of money when I was 21. If you saw what I was doing, I'm not sure you throw a million bucks at me, that's for sure. Down at Shark Park on a Saturday afternoon having an absolute yeah, ball. Exactly. Well, you know, if you want entertainment, I'm worth a million. We are t- talking about that that uh, professional side of things. Part of what you do as well is helping teams as far as uh, interaction with one another and high performance and sales and, and, and all of those things. One of the things that I've seen uh, professionally and the, the boys and I have seen, even just amongst some of the guys that, that we know personally, is this prevalence of personality profiling where you can go oh, yeah. on and you can you can punch a couple of answers into a, a multiple choice or into a ticker box and it'll spit out yeah. a result. And you can do a Myers-Briggs or you can do a DISC profile or you can do HBDI or, and it spits out this thing that says who you are. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's really interesting professionally is that w- I've been in meetings where people have either been given a job or not given a job, not so much yeah. based on their interview but based on this piece of paper um, that spits out a code. Like for, from your point of view, how does that sort of stuff fit in and be useful? And where could it become, you know, potentially limiting for people? Yeah, look, the old profiling goes way back into, you know, the since the post-Second War era. Do you know what I mean? Like people trying to profile and understand what makes people tick. And I think those tests can sometimes take things too far. Um, and, and my wife just went through some disc profiling in her role and. She was a bit surprised by the results and said, okay, so what are they doing with that? She said, they're not doing anything with it. So, do you know what I mean? Like, you get this profile and then people don't do anything with it or worst case, you're getting pigeonholed into whether you'll fit into a role or not based on a result on a a test. What you really want to do is go, okay, if we know that about someone, how do we help them help themselves? How do you go, okay, well, you're more inclined to go down the, you know, the internal process where you're going to think more about things rather than pulling back and getting some help. So how do we make sure that under duress, we're helping those people pull out and get a little bit more help. How do people under duress who more go towards procrastinating? How do we help them go towards more getting some help? So that, that profiling serves a purpose, but not the way it's been done. If you're going to be able to use that as a tool then to be able to support people in their role, fantastic. But if you're using that to pigeonhole people or say what they can or can't do as a human potential, you've missed the point because that's not what it does. It just gives you an indicator. It definitely doesn't tell you what... Is or isn't possible, Joel. I I um I did a um a personality test, if you want to call it that, called instinctive yep. drives, um ah, and I, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but it was one of those um. I guess things that I did many, many years ago with my wife and we, it really, really, 
whether or not this is what what I wanted to hear or if it's really sort of helped me, but it really, really helped both of us understand each other a whole lot better. And apparently with your 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 instinctive drive and what drives you doesn't change. And apparently with your with your personality, which sometimes does. So I I, I tend to I mean I, I've actually um lent on this quite a bit over the years, you know, when, when my wife and I, you know, chatting about something or there's a really high, um, a big decision that we need to make. And we've kind of like gone back onto this instinctive drive and looked at my personality, if you want to call it that. And, um, you know, sort of going, Oh yeah, Jared really responds to that particular piece of, um, encouragement better, or he doesn't really respond to that better. And it's really should have shaped me and in my career as well. So I, I tend to, I mean, the, the other ones haven't sort of worked for me, but this one I really, really enjoyed, and I actually actually quite like. That's great, and that, and Joe, that's exactly the point. When you have that insight and you use it the right way, that's what it should be for. It's not about pigeonholing people. It's not about saying, right, well, if you're more an introvert, then you're not going to be good at this. If you're an extrovert, you're not good at that. If you're aware of your style, you absolutely can work with it. So that's how those things should be used, and it's great that you found something, and obviously something that's helping you and your wife sort of support each other and understand why each other's doing that, rather than looking at each other sideways and wondering what the heck's going on. So that's fantastic, mate. I'm pleased to hear that. Great. And I think also uh, when it comes to within a workplace as well, uh, like you said, not pigeonholing people, uh, I think uh, one of the things that I like about some of them is that uh, if you use it properly, like as in, all right, if everyone comes together, this is where we're lacking in this area. So together we can work on something. But sometimes if you don't use it properly, you're right, people just get like, oh, now let's not go to that person because yeah. uh, they're yeah, useless. Exactly. In that. Well, I think Ben and I have probably done done a similar one with HBDI where they can do a whole team and yeah. you can actually see the overlapping of where people do work well together and where the gaps may be. That's right. I, I yeah, think I, I've been doing these for for 10 odd years. They still, I still haven't passed one yet. But <laughs> the, um, I, I keep going through them. And I think the important thing for anybody, if – you're out there listening, your profile changes. Like over 10 years of professional life and marriage and kids and everything else, your profile will shift. You are not this thing. So either either I'm a weird uh, a subject or that, that'd be true, right? You you, you mature and things change. Absolutely. That, that's true in anything, do you know what I mean? Like what you were doing 20 years ago versus what you're doing now or what drove you 15 years ago is not what drives you now. So absolutely right. Um, Ash, those things do change and they should change because experiences and history and, and objectives will change. And obviously, as we go into the future, in 10 years' time, it'll change again. So, again, it's a reference point. It's a check-in. It's a potential soft spot thing. And I, I guess, you know, if you can use that the right way to understand how you need to be supported, again, it's really the, the key thing. So, for anyone out there listening that has done any of those profiles, don't feel pigeonholed by that. Use that to your advantage and say, okay, based on what I know, where are my shortcomings? Okay, what do I need to do? Under duress, how do I react? I'm having a great time, what am I doing? And just yeah. use that as a bit of an opportunity to learn a bit more about yourself so you can improve naturally without you know, feeling distressed or anxious because you're green instead of red or blue yeah. instead of white. <laughs> you, you've got one four-digit code compared to another one and now suddenly your life's over. <laughs> It's uh, <laughs> It can definitely go yeah. too far. J- Jared and I were, were chatting um, only just this morning about talking about uh, self-assessment and I guess self-awareness of times where, and I, I think it's part of it talking about being real. I am yet to meet a guy when you actually start scratching below the surface. They haven't had a period yeah. in their life 
where for whatever reason things have been really tough and whether it's been tough personally professionally relationally there's been something that's that's been a catalyst for, for some struggle and um we were just chatting about how uh I, I was sharing with jared how long it took me to get to a point where i actually accepted right you know you actually are struggling um but you yep. talked about you just keep going and keep going for for Guys specifically, and, and for any girls out there, you you know, you can use this as well for your partners, sons, husbands, all those things. But since we're talking uh, men's mental health, for us to be sort of more self-aware and do that self-assessment, what things can we be on the lookout for and how can we do that better? Yeah, look, I mean, that's a very good question, Ash. And as blokes, without being too uh, flippant, we are, oh, look, it's, a, it's a, literally a killer, that lack of insight. Yeah. I mean, the guys that, sit there and have everything at their feet and then for something to suddenly fall from under them, that can take them from hero to zero in a heartbeat. And we don't have the actual capacity to be aware of that quick enough. So that insight is key. And what you want to be looking out for is changes in your own behaviour. So if you're avoiding people and you don't normally avoid people, that's a good indicator. If you're more a more relaxed person but you find yourself getting more agitated, that's a you know, that's a good indicator. If you're not much of a drinker, but you're drinking more, that's an indicator. If you're not really a party person, but you're partying more, that's an indicator. Any slight changes in behaviour, you've got to have the courage to sit back and say, okay, there's a reason for this. It's not because I'm under work stress or this or that. It's because internally something's happening. That's really interesting. So it's not just so much even the people maybe going into being more reclusive, but it can be the opposite. So people might become more extroverted and get out there and do things they wouldn't normally do. Absolutely. I mean, you see it a lot when, when blokes get divorced and all of a sudden they're going to hit the gym seven days a week and <laughs> go to North in the shower and drink themselves stupid and just think, oh, I'm going to relive my youth. No, no, yeah. no. There's something going on, do you know what I mean? That's not what you do. Where, where's the best place for, you know, I guess the first point of call? If people actually have that, um, if they actually start having that mindfulness and start noticing those changes, where, where do they go? Look, that's, that's a great question. And thankfully these days there are that many different resources. Some people don't want to necessarily come and talk to someone like me because as blokes they find that a bit confronting, so they might want to talk to a good mate or a family member or talk to someone at work. You know, there's, there's options to get access to counselling service through, through your employers. Or there's online, you know, um, artificial intelligence apps around that can help you monitor your behaviour. There's Beyond Blue, there's Black Dog, there's Lifeline. There are that many different access points. I just want to encourage people to reach out for whatever they feel comfortable doing, first and foremost. And then, obviously, if they can't get that sort of support you know, that they need or the changes don't happen, then obviously coming to talk to me, someone like me, would be their best, uh, their best step. Joel, I, I, um, I had the stigma against uh, meditation until I started doing it, and yeah. um, I got onto this app called Headspace, and oh, I've yeah. been doing it for about oh, maybe close to a year now, and it's honestly changed the way it, it's it's right. changed everything for me. And I do it ten, 10 minutes a day every day, but it just helps okay. me have that mindfulness yeah. every single day and and sort of learn to be in the moment. And um, yep. it, it really, you know, it's not this um, uber spiritual thing that you have to, you know, hum certain notes, you know, yep. like it's really mm. just, yeah, <laughs> it's, yep. I, I've learned that it's just the, this, this way to learn to, to not let your thoughts run away with you. I mean, w- would you recommend meditating to, to those, to, to oh, blokes out there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's not yoga poses and sitting there, as you say, you know, humming away for 40 minutes. There are some great apps and, 
Headspace is one of those awesome apps, and I really want to encourage people if, if you want to try some things and you want to be a little bit, you know, just in your room and privately, fantastic. And no one needs to know about any of that. And if that's going to give you that space, just be a bit more mindful and a bit more present, then absolutely go for it. And as I said, there's that many entry points. You just have to have the courage to do it. And it all starts with just being more aware of who you are as a person and identifying little twists, little turns, and little things that are making a difference, if particularly in a not-so-good way, and then having the courage to reach out for help, whatever that might be. When it comes to, uh, like, obviously there's a lot of fear around people asking. Um, obviously there's campaigns like, are you okay? Yeah. Um, I feel yeah. like uh, that could be another side of it as well, like people not knowing yeah. how to ask someone, hey, yeah. like, I, I've noticed I can see a difference you in you. Yeah. Um, how, like... From your perspective, how would you go up to someone and ask, uh, how are they doing? <laughs> Just like that, I yeah, guess. <laughs> yeah, Benny, that is an absolutely awesome question, mate, and I get that a lot in terms of blokes, particularly other blokes. If you do have the courage to speak up, how on goodness earth do you help your mate? Because as blokes, we fix things, right? Like, I don't know about, again, you guys, but I'm not very um, uh, hands-on orientated in terms of that. I can barely change a life flow, but what I'm very good at and where my passion is in supporting emotionally blokes in need. Yeah. And part of that, you've got to be judgment-free. You cannot work towards, are oh, you be right, mate, or it's not that bad, or think about something that's happening overseas, or put it in context, come on, mate. That, for a guy, is a killer. That'll stifle and stop every single conversation. So us blokes only listen to fix. We listen to solve. But when your mate's talking, you've just got to listen to listen. That's your key. <laughs> The, uh, I'm not sure if my wife has called you prior to you coming on, but we had a very similar conversation about three days ago. Um, but you're right, you, you, you do. You get into this, oh, I'm having this problem. Oh, well, here's how you fix it. Um, but that's, that's not what people need. It's 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 empathy, it's empathy versus sympathy, right? Yep. I mean, I, I've I've only just just learnt this. There's well, a there's a massive difference, right? Ben and I are looking pretty blank, mate. So oh, you yeah. might. <laughs> And, you know, look, to put it, put it essentially, empathy is when you're like, you're feeling what other people are feeling. Sympathy is when you're trying to be a little bit more objective around it, do you know what I mean? So what you need to do is be a little bit more objective. I, I, I feel what you feel. I'm not going to try and fix it or judge it for it, but if you so, I'm not going to patch on the back and say, there, there, have a beer and let's get on with it. It's about trying to normalise it, particularly for blokes. It's about trying to help them understand it's okay to not be okay. I, 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 blokes, I, so- it, we can't fix things. Sorry, mate, to interrupt you there. I, what what I learned was with, with with sympathy. If it has the the first uh, first words of at least, you know, when you say, "Oh, at yep. least it's not that bad," or "At least you you're you're not dying," or "At least you know you've still got your yep. marriage," you know, that's 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 exactly sympathy right. versus yeah. empathy. Exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you you're allowed to to be a little bit more um, neutral, and you certainly don't want to yeah just say at least or you know, try and put it in context for people because when they're going through something, it's the worst problem for them. When we're, when I'm having a problem, it's the worst problem in the world and I'm allowed to feel like that. And you just want to give your mate the space to talk without trying to solve because if you're the bloke, if you're trying to solve, you're in trouble and that's going to kill your mate because he, you know, doesn't want to be told how to fix it because that's confronting in itself because what if he can't do what you're telling him to do? Yeah. And then where does he go with that? Mate, that's... Fantastic advice. I think uh, the the key things that I've kind of pulled out of that this, this afternoon, really, really important. 
we need to probably, in the nicest possible way, shut up a little bit as, as friends and mates yeah. and ask somebody yeah. how they're doing and then not get involved. Uh, I'm sorry, not try and dive into that uh, that solver yeah. and that fixer side of things. Yeah. Um, and exactly. ask. I think it's, uh, speaking, we've talked a, bit, a little bit of rugby league today, but I think it's old MG, Mark Geyer, has a, uh, a fitness program where afterwards what they do is they go on like a 20-minute walk, the guys who are part of his fitness thing, and he's talked about yeah. it before that it is just a chance to do 20-minute walk with your mates, not so much as a cool-down yeah. after the workout, but just so you have a chance and you have those avenues yeah. and you open those opportunities to go, hey, how's things? Uh, yeah. Because the excuse yeah. of busyness and stuff and, oh, yeah, just another week. Um, yeah. yeah, I think you've, you've put it in a very, very real way that it can kill your mates. It's a, um, a really serious problem. Oh, absolutely. And as much as we don't like the old hug and, you know, that sort of thing with guys, unless you're on a footy field or you've had a few beers, but <laughs> you'd be surprised what a hug can do for someone when they're struggling. And yeah. that may be the thing between them reaching out for help or not. So you'd be surprised how much, as you say, shutting up and just being present can make all the difference. That's awesome. Mate, thank you so much for your time today. For everybody out there, where, where can we find uh, you and your and your business down there in Sydney? Yeah, so I'm, I'm Sydney-based. I've got a practice in Miranda. Um, and one out in, in Blacktown, so Endeavour Wellness. So you can get us on uh, on Facebook. I've got a Facebook account, Endeavour Wellness. I've got a Instagram account, although apparently my likes are disappearing, so I'll have to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are you okay? Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm but, um, yeah, so we've got a, um, a website you can check out. But even if people just want to shoot me an email, it's, you know, they can, they can do that. Um, or just reach out to us through our, our, our website, more than happy to field questions. And obviously, if I'm not in an area where you can access me, you can do that through, you know, um, phone or Skype, or I can put you in touch with someone if I know someone in your local area. So please don't be shy. If you are struggling, reaching out for help is absolutely the most important thing you can do as a bloke. That's awesome. Joel, thank you so much for your time, mate. You're a legend. Enjoy your afternoon. And uh, up, up, no, Cronulla. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, boys. I appreciate the opportunity to chat, and you've been awesome. So thank you very much. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Hey, mate. Yes, mate. The Pub Test Podcast is free. It is free. You should make sure that you get on and support. It's not often you get to go to the pub without putting any money on the bar. So make sure you like, subscribe, find us on social media, Instagram and Facebook, The Pub Test. You can look for us on podcast apps and Spotify.